now it's time to get to the Word, and we actually have communion, so we have a lot to do, so uh, open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, these lovely folks walking down the aisles have Bibles, and they'll give you one, and it's free. You get to keep it if you don't own one. People are like, oh yeah, free, I like that. Yeah. You want one? Oh, you're good? So we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 22, and we pick our readings for the Sunday mornings out of our Anchored series, uh, our two-year reading plan. Pastor Rick and I teach out of that two-year reading plan on Sundays. He does Saturday nights, I do Sunday uh, mornings. And as you know, in our Old Testament reading of the anchored uh, two-year reading plan through the Bible, we're in 1 Samuel. And I love this book, and I love David, and I think that the timing of it uh, couldn't be better. And as I was praying and preparing this message, I was blessed to know that Kevin was going to be here. I was blessed to have participated in a number of events this week that moved me deeply. I had the chance to be in an event um, off of Topanga Canyon in some house that uh, we drove there late at night and it, honestly, it, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the end of the earth but you could see it from the house. You know? <laughs> and and a, a gathering and, and there was, I was invited by uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. and surrounding me were people I, I would never probably in a normal life ever hang out with. And they wouldn't hang out with me. And we were looking around and we're like, isn't it interesting how God has assembled this island of lost toys? And, and, and you talk about the political spectrum. It, it just runs the whole gamut. And we're looking at each other going, we may disagree on a number of things, but one thing we do not disagree on is liberty. And we're here to contend. Whether you're pro-vax, anti-vax, which, you know, you know Bobby Kennedy, he... He's not anti-vax. He's just, he's pro-freedom and he wants to protect children. And, and here we were listening. He gave one of the best presentations I've ever heard. And he's Roman Catholic. I'm Protestant. He's lifelong Democrat. I'm Republican. I mean, go figure. And I just was so moved. And I just thought it was fascinating. And watching what God is doing. And I opened this passage because I was so discouraged this week. I was discouraged on a number of levels. I've been getting calls and requests. I mean, my, my hand's exhausted from signing countless religious exemptions. Pastor Rick as well and our staff, they've been fielding it. We're getting calls from all over the country. I just tell folks, we'll give you a religious exemption if you can answer this question. Do rights come from God or man? You say God, I'll sign it. We don't have to go any further with that. First of all, for them to say we need a religious exemption is a violation of the First Amendment. They violated our Seventh Amendment. They violated the Fourth. I mean, I can go on and on about this. And as we've been watching, if Adolf Hitler had come to America in 1939 and said, we're going to shut all the churches, we would have fought him. But Adolf Fauci came through. (laughs) And he managed to do it. Governor Mussolini still did it. And I, I, I was just, and I'm watching as handfuls of first responders who are contending they're about to lose their job come this month as they put a deadline that if they refuse the vaccination, they're going to lose their jobs. We're watching children as, as there's mandates coming for our children to be ex- experimentally injected. And, and I'll cover that momentarily. But I was so burdened, and I got to this passage, and I was encouraged, and I prayed it encourages you. 
1 Samuel chapter 22. If you've turned there, please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. If you forgot a Bible or you just didn't want to receive one because you're too embarrassed, I'll put it up on the screen for you. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 400 men with him. That's it, two, two verses. You guys are like, well, this is going to be a boring sermon. Maybe. No. <laughs> Lord, we ask your blessing on the study of your word. Lord, we can declare now, especially as we feel like we are refugees in the state of California, that all of us are distressed, indebted, and discontented. And Lord, we're being hunted medical apartheid, segregated, silenced, censored. The press doesn't advocate for the people. They do the bidding of the tyrant. And so, Lord, please, through your word, would you encourage all who are present? Would you bless them? We thank you for your word, which is living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides the thoughts and the intents of our heart. We hold it, and it's true in a world where it's hard to find truth, you are the embodiment of it. You are truth. And what a comfort it is to have you and have your word. We love you, Lord. Lead us into that truth now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have a seat. Relax, if you would. This week, some of the things you may or may not have heard, but uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci's recommendation to mandate COVID shots for American school children and the Biden administration's plan to approve COVID booster shots for adults starting at least six months after the previous dose rather than the previously announced eight-month gap. Some other highlights this week, a physician in California, she resigned from a California clinic because it decided to no longer see unvaccinated patients and will not allow them into the building. The doctor uses an analogy that if someone doesn't wear a helmet on a motorcycle and they're supposed to, and they come into the emergency room, I don't make a moral judgment about how to treat them. And then this is an interesting one. Uh, Meryl Nass, an MD, explained why no one can force you to take Pfizer's newly approved Cormodity uh, vaccine, though it's approved. And by the way, the FDA approval was for a vaccine that has yet to be manufactured. Uh, they, they don't tell you that. Thanks for not reporting that, press. You're terrible. Do your homework. Oh, I'm sorry, just censor us, because that's easier to promulgate propaganda and silence the narrative. And by the way, truth is never afraid of a lie. But a lie is always afraid of the truth. A lot of you will hear this and not believe it because it's not reported. Because we so trust the reporters. 
You see, they must censor. That's why they take you off YouTube. That's why they, good luck finding Bobby Kennedy Jr. anywhere. The number one guest editorial writer in the New York Times in the paper, newspaper's history. He was the darling of the left when he took on big oil. But you take on big pharma and they have erased him. They've removed him completely. Oh, and here's the interesting thing. This man was their darling and they've erased him. How is that possible? The pharma, the big pharma in this nation, you turn on the news networks. 73% of the, of the revenue of any news network is all from big pharma. It is endless commercials on drugs. It's like, and they come up with the weirdest names. Causes bloating, possible death, diarrhea. Your insides want to be on your outsides. <laughs> Ask your doctor about it. And so they, they run the narrative and you contend with them and they cancel you. And so they don't want you to know what is real and what is true because those that report, the ones that pay their bills are big pharma. A report by the Science Insider said people who recovered from COVID have greater immunity than a vaccine. Interesting, isn't it? You have a 32% higher chance, and this is a study that came out of Israel, to get COVID if you've had the double vaccination than you do if you just got COVID and have the immunities. The BBC radio host, Lisa Shaw, 44 years young, she died from the vaccine-induced thrombotic uh, thromb thrombocytopenia. I'm not a doctor, I just play one. A condition that leads to the swelling and bleeding of the brain three weeks after her first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. A Chicago mother, this is this week, uh, the mother said a judge took away her parental rights after learning she's unvaccinated for COVID. She was separated from her 11-year-old son for two weeks before Chicago judge reversed the decision. The notion that a judge would strip parental rights when a mother articulates a medical exemption is mind-blowing. She didn't say, I have a philosophical or religious exemption. She said, I have suffered adverse events to vaccination and I can't afford that risk. Goldman Sachs will require U.S. staff to take weekly COVID tests even if they're vaccinated. Oh, here's, this is the interesting one this week. Washington High School, a Washington High School received backlash after forcing students to wear ankle monitors to trace COVID cases. The parents had not been notified that the school was doing this. Delta Airlines will add a $200 monthly health insurance charge for unvaccinated staff. Hmm. A new policy requires U.S. immigrants applying for a green card to get fully vaccinated against COVID. A negative COVID test or lab test showing natural immunity from prior infection will not be accepted as alternatives. Members of the New York Union uh, protested medical mandates at the New York City Hall last week. This isn't even about vaccination, it's about fundamental rights, said New York teacher and founder of Teachers for Choice and protest organizer Michael Caine. Unvaccinated teachers in Israel are threatening to sue if they are forced, to, forced on unpaid leave. The teachers Union head Yaffa Ben David warns there will be a huge shortage if thousands of educational staff are compelled to stay home. A couple more. 
The Hall County School Board in Georgia turned down a proposal to offer school district employees a one-time payment for getting vaccination against COVID. Healthcare workers in Maine are suing the state, the governor, and major Maine health uh, networks, arguing that the state's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers tramples on their religious freedoms. And the last one, Montana has banned vaccine requirements for employers, and the new law stops employers, including hospitals, from firing employees based on vaccine status. It's great news, and we're all moving there, I guess. The reality is, we all need to resist this stupidity. September 13th, uh, Children's, uh, Children's Health Defense they're doing a walkout on September 13th, walkout pledge. You can hear more about it. Why do I share all this? Because it's disconcerting. I, I read that and I'm, I'm distressed. I'm discontented. We're watching as businesses are being destroyed. 60% of the black businesses in, in the United States have been destroyed during this administration. We're... we're we're leaving citizens in Afghanistan. But everyone needs to be vaccinated to survive a virus that has a 99.5% survival rate. And then forcing it on our children, which 17 and under, survival is 99.9972%. Four, 400 children worldwide have died from this, 17 and under, and every single one of them had severe comorbidities, leukemia, and cancer and yet we're gonna inject them. This is distressing. Data released today by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention showed that between December 14th and August 20th, a total of 623,343 total adverse events were reported at VAERS, including 13,627 deaths, an increase of 559 over the data released last week. This is for the vaccine. There were 84,466 reports of serious injury, including deaths during the same time period, up 3,416 compared with the previous week. Excluding foreign reports filed at VAERS, 488,318 adverse events, including 6,128 deaths, 38,765 serious injuries reported in the U.S. between December 14th and August 20th. Of the 6,128 U.S. deaths reported as of August 20th, 13% occurred within 24 hours of vaccination. 18% occurred within 48 hours of vaccination, and 32% occurred in people who experienced an onset of symptoms within 48 hours of being vaccinated. Oscar De La Hoya, uh, Hank Aaron, got a number of them. This week's U.S. data for 12 to 17-year-olds. Fauci wants mandated vaccinations for these kids. This week's U.S. data for 12 to 17-year-olds show 17,518 total adverse events, including 1,047 rated as serious and 18 reported deaths. These were kids that were healthy, no comorbidities. They were healthy, 18 dead. Two of the 18 deaths were suicides. The most recent reported death included a 15-year-old boy, VAERS ID number, and it's listed there, who previously had COVID, was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, in May of 2021 and died four days after receiving his second dose of Pfizer's vaccine on June 18th when he collapsed on the soccer field and went into ventricular tachycardia. And a 13-year-old girl, there's ID number, who died after suffering a heart condition after receiving her first dose of Pfizer. 
Other deaths include two 13-year-old boys who died two days after receiving Pfizer's vaccine, a 13-year-old boy who died after receiving Moderna, three 15-year-olds, five 16-year-olds, and three 17-year-olds. 2,609 reported anaphylaxis among 12 to 17-year-olds with 99% of the cases attributed to Pfizer's vaccine. 444 report, reported myocarditis and pericarditis. That's heart inflammation. That's scars. It's lifelong. You've destroyed their heart. They were healthy. You, you, in, you injected them and you gave them that. But it's safe. And there's, the Seventh Amendment is destroyed. You can't sue them. They can, just, they can destroy your children and you, you have no case. They're experimenting on our people. With 438 cases attributed to Pfizer vaccine, 89 reports of blood clotting disorders with all cases attributed to Pfizer. This is VAERS and CDC. The press doesn't report that, but you can, you can do your homework. Doesn't fit the narrative. This week's total U.S. VAERS data from December 14, 2020 to August 20, 2021 for all age groups combined show 21% of deaths were related to cardiac disorders, 54% of those who died were male, 43% female, and the remaining death reports did not include gender of the deceased. As of August 20th, 3,190 pregnant women reported adverse events related to COVID vaccines, including 982 reports of miscarriage and premature birth, 83% increase in, premature, uh, in, in um, miscarriage. 83% increase. Oh, that just happened. Nothing. But they were all vaccinated. Okay. You're not tracking me. Of the 2,640 cases of Bell's palsy reported, 50% were attributed to Pfizer vaccination, 43% to Moderna, 7% to J&J, 530 reports of Guillain-Barr syndrome, with 39% attributed to Pfizer, etc. Almost done. 132,694 reports of anaphylaxis with 40% of the cases attributed to the Pfizer vaccine, 49% to uh, Moderna, 8% to J&J, blood clotting, you know, you go through it, myocarditis. I got all this from, from Robert Kennedy. He's writing this book, it's a fascinating book. But I, I come to this place where, here's David in the cave of Agilum. And if you've been reading the Anchored series, which I pray you have been, in the previous chapter, 1 Samuel 21, David's running for his life. Saul's tried to kill him on a number of occasions, and all David did was take down Goliath. He served Saul. He was best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. He quietly served. He played the heart for Saul. Saul realized that, that they would sing a song as David would go through the streets with Saul and the people would say, Saul is slain as thousands, but David is tens of thousands. And he looked and he said, I, no one's gonna compete for my spot. It's all about power to Saul. And he needed to destroy this upstart. So he began to put this iron fist of tyranny upon the land and go after anyone who was in opposition to his administration to cancel them. So he tried to kill David. Jonathan said, you need to leave. And the arrow went over the rock and David ran. David begins to fear for his life. He ends up in front of Ahimelech, the high priest, and he lies to him because he's scared. He says, I'm on the king's business and he's actually hungry. He says, do you have any bread? And they give him the showbread from the temple in chapter 21. And he holds in his hand the, the sword that's, that, that he, he killed Goliath with, Goliath's sword. 
He goes back to remember when God was faithful. But he's scared of Saul, like a lot of us. And in the course of this, he finds himself hiding in a cave of Agilum. He He's lying, he's fearful and he's scared. And all of a sudden, 400 people show up, 400 men who are distressed, indebted, and discontented. They've lost their businesses under this administration. They've been hunted. They've been segregated. They've been ridiculed and mocked. And they have nowhere to go but to this rebel. They know at least he'll understand, and they find him in the cave of Agilum, and David thinks to himself, now I don't have just my problems, I've got all yours as well. And the very first decision he makes after he reconciles, he hears word that Saul killed all the priests and Ahimelech. Ahimelech didn't do anything wrong. He just thought that David was on the king's business. He helped David. And then Saul, through Doag, killed them all. David's burdened. He realizes they needed my help, and Saul killed them. And David, who's being hunted by Saul, and you'll see this in chapter 23, David, who's being hunted by Saul, He's got these 400 men and the citizens of this city called Keilah are are being invaded by the Philistines, the enemy of God's people. And Saul should be protecting them. That's his job. They're they're robbing the threshing floors. That's their livelihood. They're going to starve to death. And, And Saul's not responding. He's too busy with his pet project to kill David and hold his power. He doesn't care about the people who he was called to care for. He's violated his terms of office. He's disobeyed God. He knows it. And the people are crying out for help. And David is already overwhelmed. And you know what he does? He asks the Lord, should I go and save the citizens of Keilah? And God says, yes. David. He's being hunted by Saul and he goes to take on the Philistines. And you know what he says to the Lord? He says, God, is Saul going to come down here and trap me? Because it's a walled city. And he said, and God, are the people of Keilah going to betray me? He's going to save their life. He delivered them and they betrayed him. God says, yes, they're going to betray you. He still saved their life. And then they betray him to Saul. And David just rides out of town not angry. All of this ministered to me, and I'll tell you why. As I've shared with you oftentimes about Moses, who, he's 80 years old. You you don't lead three to five million people at 80. I mean, some of you could do it, but I, it's like, okay, here we go. I'm just gonna get that done. (laughs) Those of you who are 80, you don't look it. but you think, about, you think about Moses, this guy, he was living in the backside of the Midian Desert. He's just leathered. And God speaks to him through a burning bush. He can't even speak because he's just not been around people. He felt as though God had just put him out to pasture. And three to five million people are enslaved by a tyrant crying out to God for deliverance. And God says, Moses, go get my, go tell my people, let You go confront Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Moses says, who do I say has sent me? He says, I am has sent you. 
Do you have another name? Because that's weird. I mean, I am? Yeah, okay, 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 okay. So Moses confronts Pharaoh, and the people are crying out to God, and Moses at 80 confronts Pharaoh and says, God said, let my people go. Who is God that I should obey him? Says the tyrant. Church is not essential. Tracking me? Who is God that I should obey him? Let me show you who's God. So he doubles the brick output of the slaves, and he reduces their materials. And what do the three to five million people who have been crying out for freedom do? They don't complain to Pharaoh. They want to kill uh, Moses. People want freedom. They just don't want it to cost them anything. I was in a very affluent home in Arizona. I went there with Charlie Kirk. We'd been invited by parents of students who were at a very affluent school. I won't say what school, but you go there, you're the elite of that community. And they were upset because the school administration was forcing the vaccine on their children and they didn't want that. And they wouldn't allow their children to play sports and many of them were seniors and they were scheduled to go on to Ivy League schools, which was going to be absolutely, and there was Perrier around the table. (laughs) And everyone around the table, there was money at that table except for one area where I was sitting. (laughs) They were lovely people and they were beautiful and kind and they wanted help. And I listened, as did Charlie and Congressman McEwen. And, I, and there were two doctors there and an attorney. I turned to the attorney and I said, didn't you all sign a contract with the school that they're now in violation of and now you can't find another school and you've got seven days out that they have to refund it? Just bankrupt them, sue them, do damages. You can do that, right? I mean, you understand this. That, that, and she says, yes. She says, the problem is we don't... We really, none of us want to have our name on it because we, we don't want people to know that we're upset about this. We want you to save us. And I said, so you're, you're telling me that you know that this is gonna kill your children but your reputation is more important than freedom for their future? We're clapping. But have we all stood? I'm not asking you to defend yourself. I'm just asking you to examine yourself. Have we resisted? Are we concerned about reputation? Because the ones who resist will be distressed, indebted, and discontented. There are 400 of them. And this is the cave of Agilum. Welcome. This is a place where we stand for what's right, no matter who's in office. We're all scared and we're struggling and we're distressed, indebted, and discontented. How is it that you can take educated doctors who are affluent sitting around a table whose children are being threatened with their own lives, an attorney who knows how to litigate, and paralyze them to be silent in the face of tyranny when they've enjoyed freedom for 245 years and their forefathers gave it to them and they're unwilling to give it to their children because they're gonna lose their baubles and their trinkets. How do you get to a place like that? How can you be so selfish? 
How can you be so spineless? How can, how can you agree? How can the press fold? How is it that we're allowing, I mean, we're watching brave men and women on our, our first responders standing in this county. We're watching them do it in LA, but where are the others? Teachers are standing, but where are the others? We know it's wrong. We, we, we tolerate censorship. They violated our First Amendment. They violated the Seventh Amendment, the 15th. I can go on. Kevin could go all day. Why are they even talking about injecting our children with an experimental mRNA? And why are we quiet? Why haven't we filled that place and say, stop it? Notice the clapping slider. The 400 are dwindling. Because that costs us something. How did you, how did you get Germans in a nation that was critical in the promote, promoting of the gospel of Jesus Christ, one of the most Christianized nations on the face of the earth? Their theologians were brilliant. How did you get them from that within 20 years? to killing six and a half million Jews because they obeyed in spite of their convictions. When the rail cars filled with Jews would go by these small towns in Germany and they'd be crying and dying of thirst. It'd be a Sunday and the Germans were worshiping and they'd hear the moaning and the crying and they would just sing louder. They would dust off the ashes of their car to drive to church on Sunday. How do you get people there? Well, you're watching it right here. This virus has a 99.5% survival rate and they were able to shut down all the churches. How do they do that? This man has since passed away, but he wrote a book and did it on, on the experiment he did at Yale University. His name is Stanley Milgram, Obedience to Authority. In the 1960s, Yale University psychologist Stanley Milgram famously carried out a series of experiments that forever changed our perception of morality and free will. The subjects, or teachers, were instructed to administer electric shocks to human learner with the shocks becoming progressively more powerful and painful. They were asked a question, if they got the question wrong, they were told to shock them. If they refused to answer the question, they were told to shock them. The only person that wasn't an actor in all this was the person pressing the button. The actor was, when the button would press, the actor would They were good actors. Controversial, but now strongly vindicated by the scientific community, these experiments attempted to determine to what extent people will obey orders from authority figures regardless of consequences. Milgram's experiments on obedience have made us more aware of the dangers of uncritically accepting authority. There were four prods, and if one was not obeyed, then the experimenter, Dr. actually, Williams, read out of the next prod and so on. If the person was saying, it's going to hurt him, I can't press the button, Dr. Williams, wearing a white lab coat, Dr. Fauci, would say, please continue. And the person says, I, I can't, this is, just, this is just wrong. He said his heart's hurting. The prod two would be, the experiment requires you to continue. 
but, but, but it, it, and they're shaking and they're visibly sick and he would say, it is absolutely essential that you continue. And then the fourth prod would be, you have no other choice but to continue. <clears throat> of the people who were pressed and, and it would go up to 400 and it said on the dial itself, lethal electrocution death possible. 67% of the people would still press the button. They would shelve their moral convictions because a man in a white coat This is how it was set up. And the reason why Milgram did it is because both of his parents were Jewish and he wondered, was it Germans who were used to submitting to authority? Was that ingrained in their DNA? And everyone he tested was just like the Germans. This is a real picture of one of the men. He's turning to him saying, I can't press this button. The, the man's gonna die. You must do this. He'd do it reluctantly and the man would scream even though the button said danger, severe shock. We're just subtly being manipulated by the man in the white coat. We know the data's wrong, but we still bow to the tyranny we sit around the table of affluence, knowing our children are in danger, but we don't want anyone to know that we disagree. We want someone else to fight for us. The real Anthony Fauci detailed, details how Fauci, and this is what um, Bobby Kennedy wrote, Gates and their cohorts used their control of media outlets, scientific journals, key government and quasi-government agencies, and in influential scientists and uh, physicians to flood the public with fearful propaganda about COVID-19 virulence and pathogenesis and to muzzle debate and ruthlessly censor dissent. We, we've been taken off YouTube. Why, what? Why are you worried about us? Because a lie cannot survive in the presence of truth. So they must silence the truth in order to put forward the lie, the propaganda. The press is owned. Practice in each other simulation, psychological warfare techniques to create chaos, stoke fear, shatter economies, destroy public morale, quash individual self-expression, and then impose an autocratic government. So you have the Delta variant, you've got the Gamma variant, you've got the Mu variant, and I'll tell you what, the last variant, as I've been saying, is going to be totalitarianism. To justify the implementation of draconian measures, Gates and Fauci systematically stoke irrational fears, stifle common sense to induce a form of mass psychosis known as Stockholm Syndrome. They inspire in their hostages gratitude towards their captors and the belief that uh, total obedience and unquestionable submission to an experimental, shoddily tested, fast-tracked, zero-liability COVID vaccine was their only hope for safe escape and captivity and to be able to return to normal. To justify the implementation of draconian measures, as, you, as I, oh, excuse me, let me go, as a, did I get that? Yep, there we go. As a pan, pandemic unfolded, Gates and Fauci endorsed deceptive modeling and algorithms to deliberately exaggerate casualty projections for COVID-19 and to rationalize draconian lockdowns. What's happened to influenza? <laughs> Nobody questions that anymore. 
They've anointed fraudulent PCR tests in order to deliberately inflate numbers of COVID cases. It's the only virus in the history of the United States that we've measured by those who've contracted as opposed to those who've been hospitalized. That's a glamour metric. It's a, it's a virus so deadly, 85% of the people need to be tested to know they have it. Now, mind you, COVID is deadly for 65 and older with comorbidities. And, and if you do get it and you're younger and they give you bad treatment, they can also kill you. And they have stifled ivermectin, they've, they've stifled hydroxychloroquine, they make you like an idiot and they, they gaslight you and they, 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 they cancel any doctor who stands in opposition to it because there's no money in it. More than 70% of the revenue that these news companies get is from the big pharma. Bobby Kennedy was the most, had the most guest editorials in the New York Times of any Anybody in the United States and in the history of that newspaper, when he took on big oil, the minute he took on big pharma, canceled. And, and they, they get coroners to fraudulently attribute COVID as the cause of death. I, I, on, under, under penalty of perjury, I sat before that judge with the Freedom of Information Act, at the time 107 deaths in our county, and I said, Judge, only two of them died from COVID, a 90-year-old man and a woman in her late 80s. The rest died with. The young one that they say, this young person who died, died of a fentanyl overdose and had COVID, and, and they count that as a COVID death. Where, where, where do you get off allowing our inalienable rights to be suppressed for something that is so manipulated? But we're silent. Let them fight the case. Oh, let him take the slings. On the death certificate of coroners for all descendants of the disease caused or it is assumed to have caused or contributed to death with or without a positive COVID-19 test discredited all early COVID-19 treatments like hydroxychloroquine and many other remedies that could have quickly ended the pandemic and saved hundreds of thousands of lives, almost done. Predictably, predictably during the COVID crisis, Fauci's policies resulted in the U.S. accounting for 20% of the world's COVID deaths, despite making up only 4.2% of the global population. He's killed people. And Bobby Kennedy says Fauci's COVID policies also spawned new insidious authoritarianism and propelled America down a slippery slope toward a grim future as a dark totalitarian security and surveillance state. Every doctor in America will be canceled because this man has been given so much power. And they're distressed. And they're indebted. And they're discontented. But are they sitting around the table of affluence, unwilling to fight? We all know it's wrong, but why are we quiet? Why do we keep pressing the button and shocking our children? Because the doctor said so. We know it's wrong and we are suppressing our moral convictions. We're, we're suppressing our pragmatic understanding of logic and truth. And we still press the button. 67% of us. Having enjoyed the freedoms that our our. our, our relatives gave us and we're unwilling to give it to our children. We'll just press that button, press that button. And bow to the man in the white coat. And I, I, I look out at this group. All of you are fearless. I, I, truly, you're, you're, you are the 400. 
I look at folks like Kevin, willing to, to contend for the future of this state when everyone else has given up. For those of you who have supported the recall effort in our own county, for those of you who have tirelessly engaged in, in school board meetings and filled it as mama bears and saying, not any, any longer, no. I don't care who knows. I don't buy this anymore and I'm not pressing your stupid button and no one's getting shocked on my watch. It's not happening. I close with this. Those 400 that gathered to, to David in the cave of Adullam, they ended up becoming the administrators, the administration of the next kingdom. Saul's ego killed him. His son died as well. David ascended to the throne, never striving for it, but receiving it as God gave it to him. And those who had served with him, who were faithful through those seasons, ended up being the greatest king in the history of Israel. It's never been equaled. David, King David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lineage of, of our savior, Jesus, who we proclaim, David, a man after God's own heart. He failed, he was scared, but he didn't quit. And the ones that gathered with him, there were 400 in that cave, but what's interesting, we'll start with 400, but like with Gideon's army, we're, we're gonna watch them fall away. They sit at that table of affluence, and though they agree with us, they don't wanna participate because it'll cost them something. They want the freedom, and they believe what we say is true, but they're unwilling to join the fight. How do I know this? King David, these were the Medal of Honor recipients of David's forces. And this is at the end of his life and the ones that served were listed. It began with, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had, Josheb Bashabeth, Atakamite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino, the Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. Goes on to talk about uh, Shema, who, who contended in a, in a lentil field, a field of beans, worthless, fearless, immovable. It goes down this list, and at the conclusion in verse 39, it says, and Uriah the Hittite, 37 in all. One in nine Americans fought in the Revolutionary War. A lot of you know it's right. A lot of you know what needs to be done. But I pray more than 37 will do it. I believe all of you will. I, I believe that we are gonna turn this state. You're not crazy. 
You're more than conquerors. You know truth and you're not to be manipulated. And tyranny will not cause you to be silent. And the wealth, the, the, the table that, that is embellished with wealth does not move you. You're all in. And the reason why is because of this. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. He gave everything. He was crucified, bled, and died, and on that cross, his final word in the Greek was tetelestai. In the English, it's three words, paid in full, or it is finished, meaning the debt's been paid. Every religion in the world is here's the bullseye and you shoot the arrow and where the arrow lands and the bullseye is is called the sin distance, it's an archer's term. Every religion in the world is everyone's trying to hit the bullseye, we can't. There's, there's nobody perfect in the room. If you are, you're a liar, so you're not perfect. <laughs> or you need to go to Happy Dale. Everyone's trying to hit the bullseye and you can't. No matter how hard you try, those things you want to do, you don't do. Those things you don't want to do, those are what you're doing. If you doubt me, can we show a videotape of what you think in secret? That wouldn't take long, would it? The beautiful thing about Christianity is Christ, our Redeemer, our Advocate, our Savior, the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, he died in our place because the Bible says blood must be shed for the remission, for the forgiveness, for the cleansing of sin. Because the wages of sin is death. And I can't die for you because my blood courses with sin just like yours does. But Jesus was fully man and was without sin. He was the unspotted lamb of God. And when he died, his blood satiated and satisfied the penalty of our sin. And when you receive that by grace through faith, here's what happens. Here's your arrow. God, by Christ's righteousness that you receive by grace through faith, God moves the bullseye to where your arrow is. You didn't do it, he did. And that's kind of a cool thing because you're reconciled with the Father. And you come to a place where you say, you know what? This delivered me from the slave block of sin because the greatest master that has enslaved me is myself. The ancients would say, well, I don't have a drinking problem, it's just a God, and I call him Bacchus. Oh, I don't have a pornography problem, it's just a God, and I call it Aphrodite. And you know what enslaves you. And God wants you to have life, and life more abundant. He has a plan and a purpose, and he has to set you free from the great, greatest slave master, and that's you. And so we get crucified with Christ. And then, last part, he sets us free from the law of sin and death by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And when we die to our will and are resurrected to his, our life is no longer paralyzed by fear by what man can take because our savior gave it all. What he did for me, I will do for you. Take everything I have, but I will fight till my last breath for your freedom and for your deliverance, that you would not be a slave. That is a free man or woman. We're no longer bound by fear. God has no longer given us that spirit of fear, but now it's by power, love, and a sound mind. And we are now more than conquerors, and no man will ever take our freedom because Christ has come to set the captives free.
Let's have the worship team come up. We're going to take communion together. I'll just explain it to you real quick. If, if you've received that, that gift, and Jesus says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your tongue that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's by grace through faith. You just, he's holding out the gift of salvation. He's paid the penalty. Do you want it? Take it. Lord, be my savior. Forgive me. I, I want to follow you. I want to be right with you. I want to be free. Not from, the, not from the sin that enslaves me, but from the law, the wise restraints that make me free. And I don't observe the law be, to save me. I observe it so that I can live freely. I've been saved by grace through faith, but now, Lord, your law, your, your constraints are wise to me. And I want, I want to live more abundantly. And this changes the world. And the way we do it is the body must be broken before the blood can be shed. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He broke the bread. He said, take and eat, this is my body. And this is the cup of the new covenant. Blood must be shed for the remission of sins. And the idea is you take the bread first because the body had to be broken. They, they beat him. Every drop was poured out. He had you on his mind when he whispered that last word. His tongue was swollen. He had been beaten so badly. He had to moisten his mouth with the sop from a sponge in order to loosen his tongue because it's a hard word to say when your tongue is swollen to tell us die. Paid in full. He said that to you. He loves you. He gives you this gift today. And then his blood was poured out because blood must be shed. This is the price of our sin. He died in our place. He died so that we could live. We died to ourselves that we might live to him and live the rest of our life on this earth setting people free. Lord, we thank you for this cup. We thank you for your body broken and for this cup of the new covenant. We thank you that as often as we do this, we do this in remembrance of you. You are our savior. You have set us free. And what you did for us, we do for others. We receive this deliverance and this gift from you and we praise you and we thank you. What a wonderful savior you are. What a wonderful father you are. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering to us today and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you get the order wrong and you, you do the cup before the bread, you're still going to heaven. And as you take communion at your leisure, just start to worship with the worship team. And uh, Kevin and I will head out in a little bit and he'll meet you out there and greet you if you want to meet him. God bless you all.